Chris Nefesh of the Elam that came here, willing to sit in masks. I'm speaking. So I guess I have a heter. And the Elam of Klyestral, listening all over the world, never ceases to amaze me, the chuka and the sheifus that every single person, men, women, and children, have for godless, which is not coincidentally going to be part of the theme today. Let me begin with the Navua of Yirmiyo, because that's where he began after his discussion and personal objections, similar to Meshe Rabbeinu, of receiving the job to give this nevuah to Klai Yisrael, he said, I'm not worthy, they're not going to listen to me. Mi ani imani, and he really meant it. Kosh Baruch Hu said, you're going to go anyway. It is dangerous, it was dangerous. Deal with tremendous courage and caring for Klai Yisrael. The first nevuah the Nevuah's, aside from Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevuah, which was was given as a picture of something and the message had to be deciphered. And Yermio Anavi does just that. He sees it. I remember, it's a tree, as Rashi will tell us in a moment, that is quick to produce its fruit. You've seen well, you've understood well. And the shkedim, the tree that he's being shown, is a message that the nevua of the pending destruction is talking about something that's very immediate. says, I'm going to bring it quickly, and it's almost at the end of the line, so to speak. Rashi brings down, Please tell Klai Yisrael they have to wake up because there's very little time left to do tshuva. Medrash Agada, Rashi says, which is in the Gemara and Becheris, HaShoket Hazeh, this tree, produces the Ammon, HuMishas Chenitosla Gemara Bishula, Esrim Ve'echad Yoim, from the beginning of its growth, the Chanita to its maturing is 21 days. And Rashi brings from the Gemara that the second reason this was used in the Nevuah is to symbolize Kaminyan Yamim Shabain Shavasa Batamas Shabai Hufka Ir Latishabov Shabai Nisraf Abayas. It's only going to be 21 days like the Ammons and the three weeks, Banamatarm. The Pella is. 
If you never thought of this, and as I begin mentioning, you're going to hop, obviously. Is there any other time in the Yiddish calendar that we have a period of 21 days? What does this remind you of? There's only one other example, and that is Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah Rabbah, the Yimei Adin. What's the connection? Well, before we get deeper, the Pashup Shat is in order to avoid a Chorben, you have to do Tshuva. In order to fix up a Chorben, you have to do Tshuva. Hence the Yimei Adin, which is the Yimei Tshuva. Ziyakot Shemayni. It's a Pella, how much is going on around us in our Ruchnias and the Bria in terms, in terms of, of incredible, incredible, incredible opportunity. opportunity. I always have a problem, a problem on Tisha B'Av because we try to focus on the tragedy, but we also want to learn a lesson and try to be, I'm going to use the word optimistic, but at least give a path forward. So the Alkut says, Amr Ablebi, Bechol Chaydish for Chaydish, Shabakayat, Bikesh Akash Barcha, Litin the Israel Moid. In Halach and Ashkafa, there are only two seasons, not four, for the Americans here. We're used to four. Kayats means spring and summer. So the Alkut says that plan A of Akash Barcha, there aren't enough letters in any alphabet to tell us how many plans Hashem has. There's no Havamin and Maskana by Akash Barcha. It's all at the same time. We can't understand that. But Lasabras Aizan, plan A and plan B and plan C and plan D, changes every second. There are billions of people in the world, and everything we do, Bain Latay, Bain Lamutiv, is affecting ourselves and affecting other people, our family, our friends, affecting the Teva, because we do a mitzvah, it's a positive effect in the Bria. If we do an Avera, Rahmalatlana weighs everything down. So everybody's interdependent, and everything keeps changing. So if you haven't gotten used to in the past four or five months the facts changing every moment, if the facts were true in the first place, to the extent that they were, to the extent that they still are, some of them were true, but it changes every moment. So not our concern. I gave a different share on that in Flappish a few weeks ago. Some of you were there. How to balance the two minutes you need to know what's going on versus being overly focused on things you can't do anything about and getting nervous and affecting your Avedis Hashem. But what's out there, this is just a dogma of the fact in Teva, which is fueled and driven by our Ruchnias and our performance, is that there are a million plans and every time we do something that's based on our Bechira, Hashem's idea and our Bechira is a whole separate schmooze. That's why I mentioned that Kosh Baruch is out of time. But every time we make a choice, which is every moment of the day, every machshava, every deeper, every time we do something or don't do something, affects not only ourselves, but affects Klai and affects the Bria. So plan A, with that recap, plan A was, believe it or not, and you should believe it, because Yalkut Shemani and many other makaris for this, that there was the Antif that was planned for every month of the spring and summer. Why wouldn't there be a yontif planned for the autumn and winter? It's cold, and there's no alila regal, because Hashem has achmonas, and siyam tevim predominantly are in decent weather. So I'm not going to talk about the winter. But Nisan, Nassel, and Pesach, so it starts off pretty easy. So Nisan, we know, is Pesach, that was plan A, plan B, plan C. Actually, that's not so simple, Klai Yisrael supposed to stay longer, they're Memte Shari Tuma, but okay, let's assume whenever it was, they had to leave right then, 
it was Nisan. Ear Pesach Sheni, also Yantav. Sivan Ishfus. So far, so good. Sivan Aslam Now, we have Tammuz of an Elul. So you're all wondering what Yantav do we, what we're supposed to have, what's going on there? So Yalkin Shemeni says, Plan A. Thomas not a big one. We would say huge, like very important. No. It's a pel- it's a scary because we don't know what we lost. We don't we're about to find out. We don't know what's about that. We don't know what we're missing sometimes in life. We don't know how much opportunity we have. So it's supposed to be a big yantiv, Mayed Godol. And then they had Chaita Egel, but also Egel, and Egel was so bad and so treacherous and had such collateral damage, even though it was only 1% of Klaisel that did it, but it was so bad that Moshe Rabbeinu had to daven like he never davened and save us because we were threatened with annihilation. Baruch Hashem, we were saved, and we, the Anisha sprinkled with every there is. That's how bad it was. And because of that, Batul Tammuz of the Elul, the three Yantavim that was supposed to be and Thomas Abel were canceled due to poor behavior. And then, you cancel them, but they have to happen, and they'll happen when we fix things up and do tshuva. So Baruch Hashem started doing tshuva, and then Tishrei, that says a lot of kashas. Did you ever wonder why Tishrei was so, I don't want to say crowded, that's not a nice word, so action-packed? There's a lot going on in Tishrei. What? Turn around and sukkis. It's very hard to make for sukkis. Why would Hashem put three yantavim? So before this yalkid, you would think that we're on a high, so we can cash in as we're going. So while the going's good, we have three yantavim. That's what it is now in our lower madrega. But the original plan was apparently, I'm reading into this yalkid shemani, but I think this is Pasha. Original plan was one yantif a month. Because if we really understood what Yontif represents in terms of the opportunity, we would talk a plan and we would need time to prepare. We would need time to enjoy it and to gain from it and take the lessons. And one per month is a lot. Especially if you're not having many during the winter. And that was the plan. But it had Pesach and Pesach Sheni, which is a good percentage of Klaisel, couldn't come, and then Shfuas. And then the big Yontif and Tammuz. Well, what Yontif is that supposed to be? If you're sitting down, the Yontif is called Rosh Hashanah. This is not my Chiddush. All the Farshim explained this in the Al Shemani. And the Al Shemani says it came up affairs, that it was canceled, and then it was all put in Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkis. But it was originally supposed to be Rosh Hashanah with a lot of preparation time, Yom Kippur with even more preparation, and Sukkis. And then it was put into Tishrei. But Tishrei, Paralem, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, V'chag, Amar Kosh Lachem, Hu Pareo, Shaloh, Enonetel. And then the Alkit adds, which is important for Joshua, Bashmini, Yitzharaz, but not for now, that Hashem paid it back to Klaisel, but he, Yontif for Hashem, and that's Yom Hashmini, Yitzharaz, Tiyelachem, and that's also in Tishrei. First, Shemad, that when Aaron was asked, we'd use the word accosted, would be a better word, by the heir of Rav to make the ego. So the first thing he said, and the second thing he said is, that's absolutely insane. Why would you want to do a horrible affair like that? 
And what's the problem? And they said, we're very scared. Moshe Rabbeinu is not here. We don't know what to do. We need an intermediary. They said, that's a very bad idea. And then they said, well, we need a kind Goldol because we'd like to think we're doing this L'Shem Shamayim and if we need a very Choshva person. And they sort of explained it to him, unfortunately, as they say in New York. And he made a Cheshpin, right or wrong. He, he, was also, he was punished for this, even though he's Tzadik Yisrael was on an iron account. That's how difficult it was to make a decision like this. Said he saw Chor was dead. He wasn't afraid of dying on Kiddush Hashem, but if they kill a Kayan and a Navi, they're not going to have any way to get back. So he bid his time. He was hoping to delay. And he said, okay, bring your gold, bring your earrings. And then he made a grand announcement. He said, Chag Lashem Mochar. Tomorrow there's going to be a Yantif. So many taught him what that means. Either means Moshe Ben will be back and therefore the Luchas will be here and we'll have a Chag because we'll be happy to have the Luchas. Or it means Chag in a negative way. There'll be a Yantif, as we would say in our expression. You're going to get punished because through this angle, Moshe Ben's going to come back. Or once you know the Alkat Shemaini, Chag Hashem Lamacha means, what are you doing? Wait one more day. This is an Isayan. Problem in life. It's always been like this. In America, it's even worse. We expect when we have a Nisayan that the neon lights should go on. There should be some music in the background, Nisayan music, whatever that is. And that will let us know when it's Nisayan so we can get with the program. It doesn't work like that. And all the biggest Nisayanists are dressed up either as something that's regular part of the day or a mitzvah. And Aaron Akain said, wait, just a little patience, just wait one more day. Chag Hashem, tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. What are you doing? Isn't that scary? And they didn't want to wait. Apparently they woke up so early and the Hachanas were so crazy through the night that Rosh Hashanah was already canceled when Kosh Baruch Hu saw what was going on. And Rosh Hashanah was canceled and Yom Kippur was canceled. Sukkot was canceled. It was deferred and ultimately there was some tikkun enough of a tikkun and tshuva that they made it back. The three weeks starts, Shabbos Vatam, as we and we're talking about one basic word about the sum it up, which will be the theme of all the examples that we examined from Chazal of what triggered the Churban and what the problem is. And that is honesty. The difficult, difficult task of being honest with yourself. What's really driving your intention? What's really behind this? And if you've been on earth for a while, you know that when anything is going on, there's any tumult and there's any system, there's usually 20 things behind it, none of which will be brought up in the conversation, at least initially. You might find out, you might not find out. But there's always many reasons behind it. Some of them are shame shamayim, some of them pretty nefarious. And Aaron told them, you want to build an ego? So yeah, we have to talk to Hashem. We feel very close to Hashem, and now we feel lost. We want that closeness, and we need to talk to Hashem. He says, this is Avodazar. Not like semi-Avodazar. It's like a real Chiyamisa. And they argued back and forth, and really, they needed to work on their patience and their bitachin, and they didn't want to wait. Because who wants to wait? And Aaron said, not only are you getting involved in serious Avera, tomorrow's Rosh Hashanah. If you just pass this Yisrael, you'll have such a You'll, you'll be in such a madrega. It didn't work. Next example, also a very famous Gemara that needs Hezber. We try every few years here to give it a little more Hezber. 
The Gemara always tells about uh, Yeshua ben Hananya was the Gadol Adar and the spokesman for Klai Yisrael, the great debater, the tzaddik and the ilui of Klai Yisrael, and he was always sent to debate the philosophers and to go to the Kesar and beg for the needs of Klai Yisrael to either rescind or at least mollify him enough that they'll take away some of the blunt of the Xeras and want some of the, the worst parts. And he goes to the palace of the Kesar. We know the Kesar is, but it wasn't Caesar himself. It was the proconsul. It was uh, those in charge. And they were very big on their covered and their gaiva and the pretty ruthless people. And you had to try in your establishment to talk to them. It's the Gemara and Ham and Bez and Chagiga. Brings down the Bishur Bechananya walked into the palace, and the rule in the palace was you got to know these rules in order to understand this Gemara, otherwise, the whole thing sounds very strange. You couldn't talk in the palace, it was a chutzpah, only the Kesar spoke. If he asked you something, you're spoken to, you can answer the question. But the ministers and the visitors have to use sign language. So Bishur Bechananya walks in, and there's this apikeris in the hallway. One of the Chashva ministers, Apikaris is an important word. That means he's a Yid who's an Apikaris, Lachaira. Atzaduki. And he signals, doesn't say a word, signals to Abishur Machananya. He sees the Gadol of Dar here, and he knows he's here to ask for some Rachamim and to do some Ishtadlis. And he wants to take the winds out of his sail, so to speak. He wants to give him a Shtach. See? makes eye contact with him, and then he quickly turns his head the other way. That was the signal. He turns around. First, he makes eye contact. Shabbat Hananya understood quite well what that meant, and the Gemara spells it out. His message was, Ama dadrinu mare la'ape mine. You're a nation that has been sold. Your God, Rahman al-Islam, left you. Hashem turned his head. What are you doing here? Why are you bothering? Why are you still from? Why are you still teaching Torah? And why are you asking the Kesar for a favor? Your own God doesn't stand by you. What do you expect the Kesar to do? Give up. No, that's a pretty horrible message and long message in turning your head, but the message was received. Shemuel Hananya sends a message back very quickly and he takes his hands, he starts pointing to himself, points to his head. And the Gemara says that message was supposed to be directly answering his shtach. He told him, Eid yada netuya aleinu. Hashem's hand is still outstretched on us. Now the Masha asked right away, yada netuya usually represents a hand outstretched, but it means for einish. That doesn't answer the question. That actually strengthens his kasha is that Hashem left you and you're just going to have punished from here on in. Then he goes like this. He said, yeah, we, we feel it. So what's the answer? It gets more mysterious, though. It happens to be that, not by coincidence, the Kesar saw this exchange. And he calls them in, and he's very curious, what was that all about? He's not friendly to the Jews, and if it's a way to get to Rabbi Shuvah Hananya, he'll use it. And he wants to know, what was that all about? So he calls Rabbi Shuvah Hananya first, 
And he says, what exactly did he signal and do you understand what it meant? The second rule in the palace, this is not just the question, hello, how are you, you want to schmooze. The rule was you can't talk, you got to use sign language. And if you don't understand what the other guy said, you could be arrested and killed because if you're a minister in the palace, you have to be very, very smart, very on the ball. And if you can't understand, you can't communicate, you don't belong here. And the case of palace, if you don't belong here, usually that means you don't belong to live. So he asked Rabbi Yeshua, what did he tell you? Rabbi Yeshua says, he told me that Hashem turned his head from us. Why am I here? Why am I still from? Why do I want to be Jewish? Why am I defending my people? And then he calls in the Tzaduki, and he said, what were you trying to tell him? And Tzaduki said, I was trying to tell him that Hashem turned his head, and that what is he doing here, and he should give up, and I was trying to get him. Good, one for one. The message was clear, Shuv Echananya understood it. And then he turned to him and he said, okay, did you understand the rabbi's answer? He said, I don't have a clue. Honest fellow, isn't he? And the Gemara says, Loyada. And the case I told him, if you don't know sign language, you don't belong here. They arrested him and they killed him. Baruch Hashem. The Russia was now out of Rabbi Yeshua way, and the rest of the audience went well. The kasha is obvious, the two kashas, the first I'm asked. Number one, he's a smart guy, he's a minister, so he expected Rabbi Shua to understand his reference, so why indeed didn't he understand Yadanatuya is Yadanatuya? So, why didn't he understand the answer? Yadanatuya. Well, the answer is, why didn't he understand the answer? We don't understand the answer. What was the answer? The answer was a right in his direction, which is probably what confused the Stuki. We'll get to what the answer is in a few minutes. The second kasha, which is even bigger than the first, is that if you know the rules of engagement in the palace are that if you don't know the answer, you get killed, or you certainly can get killed, and you can get arrested, it's probably could die at that point to just take a shot in the dark. What do you have to lose? You might end up surviving. He just, all of a sudden, he's a tzaddik and he's honest, he says, I don't know, I don't have a clue. Why didn't he take a guess? The answer must be he was so clueless that he couldn't even begin to guess because the answer as he read it went counter to what he thought. It almost sounded like it was a riot to him. So he didn't know what to say. The rabbi wouldn't make a riot to me. So what was the answer? The answer to Beis Alevi, who discusses this with his famous rival in Gemara Baba Kama, talks about throwing a vase off a roof. And somebody with a baseball bat on the second floor sticking out the window and smashing it. The who's chayev? So on the one hand, he threw it off the roof. It's going to break anyway. So this vase is a goner. And the guy who broke it broke a broken clear already. But Rav is not so sure. So basically, he says, how can he be not sure? He threw it off the roof. So it's gone. If you're Mafka Kalim, somebody else smashes it. Of course, they're potter. Basilevi says the chilek is that when you're Mafka something and you walk away, you obviously don't want it. So whoever comes and destroys it is not chayev. If you throw it off the roof, maybe you're writing a paper on some physics experiment and you're trying to test gravity and you're using the clea and the clea has value to you. Yes, it might smash, but it'll get hurt, but you want the clea. It doesn't mean you don't want the clea. You might even pick it up and use the parts and pieces for something else. You want it. You're not being mafkarit. 
Rabbi Shuvah Hananya said, yes, it looks like Hashem turned his head, and we're really suffering, and we are. And he didn't say we deserve it, it's not the Stuki's business, but there are various, and there are Cheshpen, and there's a reason, there's a Churban. We don't ask for more, but there's a Cheshpen. Hashem makes it look like this Hester upon him, he's turning his head, but Yada Nutuya, Yada the Marsha says, means for punishment. He says, yeah, that's the good news. Hashem didn't forget about us, he never will, and he's not trading us in, he'll never sell us. That's why we have Shivad and Achemten, only three of Pernusa. That's a funny number, no? Three and seven? The answer is there are people who have years very quickly, and if you have three that says you're going to go into Gullus and there's going to be a Chorban, you might think that there's no hope. So we need seven to drill it in, that Hashem is never trading us in, and he's always here, and he won't let us disappear. That was the message to the Stuki. My question is, how can he not understand it? At least to take a guess. He's got to get himself killed. The answer is he couldn't see it. The reason he was a Stuki, Stuki, by the way, had humors. How would you like sitting in your house with no lights and no cholt that's hot? That chumras, many more coolers, they basically dropped everything according to their new system. They came out a couple of chumras, but at least they're not really part of the program anymore. Why don't they want to be part of the program? The answer is, I'm not condoning it, but it was very, very difficult at this point in time. There was a chorban going on, and there was tremendous pressure. And the Stuki, in his chosen path in life, couldn't possibly entertain this as a terrorist because that would mean that he's doing the wrong thing. And the Pella is, it seems he'd rather put himself in grave sakana and possibly get killed rather than admit that this answer was given and the answer has validity. So he didn't say anything and he got himself killed. So the heartwarming news from this Gemara is as bad as things get, Shem is watching and there's a Mahalach. The other news is that it seems that every single Gemara, and we're going to have a few more, and every Pasuk and Navi that deals with the problem seems to be telling us quite clearly that the one solution to all the problems is if you want to stay safe and you want to survive, be honest with yourself. Hashem doesn't expect us to be malachim. He just wants us to give ourselves an honest assessment of what we're doing wrong and what we might do better. And being honest is the most difficult thing in life because that means you have to admit you're wrong and that means you have to retroactively admit that you wasted time on things that shouldn't have been done and agendas that shouldn't have been here. And the more it's been done, the harder it is to admit it. And then there are other people involved who are watching this and then they're going to think that you lost and nobody wants to give in an argument. And that causes a lot of damage. I can imagine, I wasn't there by Chet Eagle. But when they told Aaron, he's the God Ladar, and they're machshiv him, and said, we really need a very chashra person to bring this sacrifice to our Vodah Can you help us out? And he started giving them Musr, just wait, and you're wrong, and you're 100% wrong. Aaron said, a hundred good tainas. And I'm sure Aaron was brilliant. Why didn't they listen? The answer is, not that the tainas didn't resonate. They made sure they wouldn't resonate, because once they had the position, don't confuse me with the facts. They couldn't back down at that point. The example that we had the last four or five weeks in the Parsha all lead up to the same equation. These are good people who believe they were doing things in the Shame Shemayim and at a certain level were. But the honesty demands 
that if we really want to get down to the truth, we have to know we're Nagebadavar. And you have to hear the answer, and more importantly, you have to sometimes realize that there's a question over here. Otherwise, people say, what's, what's the shayla? So the two examples we just had, one which triggered Tishabov, the Bechir Shulchinam, and the one 40 years later where Moshe Rabbeinu was clearly concerned it would trigger another Tishabov, and he told them so. So they're very closely related. So we know from the various Midrashim, the Mechamelo points out that when they came to Moshe Rabbeinu, they said, let's send spies. And he said, why do you need spies? Hashem said it's Gavaldic. Don't worry about it. And they said, Avada, we're not questioning. Hashem said it's great, we're going. Moshe So what do you need, Meraglim? said, well, Hashem said, Batamalem Kaltuv, and you're going to have gold and silver and jewelry. And right now they know we're coming and they're going to hide everything. And if we don't find that right away, that's going to be a chil Hashem. Hashem promised us and we can't find it. Therefore, we're worried about Kfayd Shemayim, which is a great thing to be worried about. Part of Tisha B'Av. But not when you're claiming you're worried about Kfayd Shemayim and really you're scared and you've got to work on your bitachon. And Moshe Rabbeinu, the argument was so convincing, he says, yeah, but it would be a big kish Hashem, you find it right away, Batam Lehm Kol And they asked Moshe Rabbeinu, could we do it? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't know, let me ask a Kosh Baruch So he asked a Kosh Baruch what was the answer? Anybody remember? It wasn't that long ago. What was the answer, yes or no? I give multiple choice, yes or no. None of the above. As I said, most of the things are not with the musical background and with the neon sign. This is a big mistake or a potential risk. Moshe Rabbeinu felt it was a risk, which is why he asked, and he wasn't thrilled about it, but they made a good argument. They didn't really have a good terrorist because if the argument is true, which it is, and that's the only reason you're doing it, then good. So Hashem said, Shlach Lecha. Shlach Lechem, it's yours. It's, it's your decision. Whatever you want to do, it's not. It's not a yes and no, which is rare in Chumash in the Midbar. And Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't say no, and... They went. So think about it for a moment. What's wrong with what they did? They asked the Shaila, they didn't get a no. Let me put this delicately. There are people in life who don't ask Shailas, which if they have none, that's fine, but usually a lot of things come up in strict halacha and derech hachayim. I'm not looking for business. You all know that. I got plenty. You can call somebody else, but... <laughs> this is important for basic avedis Hashem. There are people who make certain assumptions, they don't even think there's a shayla, and it could be years, years later there was a Syria shayla. And it was overlooked because they thought they were doing everything right, and they were trying hard. So there's either not asking a shayla, or there's asking a shayla and what we call stacking the deck. Stacking the deck means uh, I'm asking a shayla, it's very important, it's a shasa tzachak, and I'm really just asking for an eta, not a shayla. That's illegal. Enough of people tell me that, but uh, it comes up once in a while. That means that they're looking for a specific answer, and if that's not the answer, they want to look elsewhere. Okay. I usually inform people if it's a shaskachak, there are many coolers in every sugi, we use them for a shaskachak, but not if it's wrong and not if it's, not if it's a disservice to you. So when they asked Moshe Rabbeinu, they asked if they can go. Can you stop us? Do you have a good reason why we shouldn't go? Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't come up with a good reason they shouldn't go, he was nervous about it. Did anybody afterwards say, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're our Rebbe. Lamaisa, are you nervous about this? Is it less risky if we stay home? If it's less risky, our Ruchnius was staying home. Nobody asked that and nobody said it. 
And they got back and they gave the report. The report already was designed to inspire fear, terror, panic. And the reason is because they themselves had the same fear and panic. Now the problem is Rashi says they were tzaddikim when they went because they were selected for their godless. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to make it work. So when did they become Rishayim? So Adesso explains that when you're a shliach, you could be a fantastic person, but you're as good as the people sending you. Every leader, every gadol is as good as the people he's representing. And Moshe Rabbeinu was told Leich Raid when they did Chet Egel. So as soon as they started going, the nervousness of the people started setting in because they started thinking, oh, if they have to send Maragda, it must be really what to be nervous about. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And as they're on their way, and by the time they got back, there was no question it was going to be a report that's going to sow panic. Where was the mistake? The mistake was they weren't honestly asking a question, what does a Baruch Hu want here? They want to know, does it say anywhere it's also? If not, we're going. How can you tie down a guy? It doesn't say it's also. This caused the Bechil Adairis because they weren't honest with their true motive. Perhaps they had to search hard for it and they couldn't see that they were really nervous and had to work on their Bitochen. But the lack of honesty with themselves is what caused the problem. And they dressed it up as L'shem Shamayim. Same thing happened to a lesser extent, but a government, a Ruvain came. Much better gave them a whole Muslim schmooze because they thought it was happening again. You're nervous again. You get everybody else nervous and you don't want to go. And you're excuse, you have a lot of cattle, you want to stay here. The same Chad Gadja, literally Chad Gadja. They came with a cattle tiner. They have a lot of room and came from a good place. Part of it was the Shem Shemayim. Ruvain was very careful with Geneva, Dudayim. So we have a lot of cattle. We don't want to graze. You can't even raise a behemoth dock in Israel. That part was true, so we should stay here. There were good reasons possibly to stay. But as Rashi tells us, as soon as they say, we're going to go fight, we never meant that, we're not getting anybody nervous, and we're going to build houses for our cattle and for our families, that's when Chazal see, and Moshe Rabbeinu saw, that's very dangerous. You're putting your money and your assets on a higher level, on a pedestal, and you're putting your family second. That means that part of this is L'shem Shemayim, but if you want to be really honest, what grabbed you is this wonderful open area, every house on three and a half acres with a ranch in back of that, and that's grabbing you. And you're not being honest about that. If you want it, somebody's going to get it. Mind you, they conquered it. So it's going to be part of Klai Yisrael's territory. Somebody's going to take it. Or they'll use it as a buffer. It's going to be used. Why do you really, really want it? What's really driving you? What's motivating you? So you'll say, I can't be cool with Shein Shemayim. I have 20% of Shein Shemayim. That's good enough. That's correct. However, if the other 80% is coming from a bad place, not parv, that's where it gets toxic. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu was so upset. We just did this. And if it's coming from fear, I'm certainly not going to allow it. They said, oh, it's not coming from fear. We'll prove it. We'll go on the front lines, which they did. They made good on it. Tremendous. As they were in Yisrael, Chazal tell us they realized they made a mistake. Yisrael so beautiful, had so much to offer, and Ruchnius and Gashmius, what do we need that for? And then they first started realizing that maybe it was grab what you can without thinking it through, and it was too late. They thought it was too late. Pinchas is going to make an offer, they should come back, but they still couldn't pull themselves away. The third example, and this is going to be a surprise to many, not even an example, it's of a favorite Shepasuk. We know, probably one of the most oft-quoted psukim, we talk about Gula, 
Pasukin Yeshaya Perakalov, Tsiyam Bemishpati Poder Shaver Bitstoko. So, how do you touch this Pasuk? Tsiyam Bemishpati Poder, we have to have a good system, an honest system of Mishpat, Shaver Bitstoko, and what's going to get us to the Gula, Stoko. So, many Taish Mashal says this, there is such a Pshat, that Stoko means charity, Du Chesed, and there's a lot to be said for that. There are Rishayim right here on the, on the Daf. Marie Kroos, one of them, is not the only one. He says the context of stuck over here is not charity. It's the follow through with the first part of the Pesach. Tziyam b'mishpat tzipodah. That's din. Shaver b'tztaka, his lotion. Ezeh schus agolyez meskapsos. V'chaizlos l'tziyam. B'shviel sh'yashuv aliyaz anshe emes. The key ingredient to everything is being honest with yourself. Being honest with other people also. Da, he says, you should know, apidiktuk, shmachamakam shatamaitzitztaka, itzal mishpat, aitzitztaka, ananasinas maz, aloshan din emes. Stokka next to mishpat doesn't mean charity. It means do mishpat, and the only way you're going to get to the bottom of things is by doing stokka tzedek, weighing things carefully and being honest with yourself. So, what would we do for an honest assessment? And we'll close with this. One of the most incredible examples, and it's the very beginning of Shmuel. Shmuel Aleph Peridalim. Klaisa went to fight the Plishtim. They were very nervous, and they did something which the Sugya discusses. Is it Mutter, is it Aser? The two Aron is one Aron, but they took the Aron. Apparently, they took the, the real one. If there were two, the other one was real also. Lucha, Shivri Lucha. They took the regular Aron with the, with the real Luchas in them. Shailas, was it a mistake? Was it not a mistake? Well, something was a mistake because the battle was an absolute disaster and Chafni and Pinchas, who were big people, were killed. Many from Klaisel were killed and they stole the urn. Shoal escapes from the battle because I'll tell us that Shoal actually grabbed the Luchas, which makes this even more telling. And he runs back to tell the people the bad news and to tell Eliakai in the Gadol Adar. So according to this Chazal, he has the Luchas. That means they stole the Aaron, which has still a lot of Kedusha. And he gets back and he gets to the city, tells the people waiting for the news and the Tam Kola ear and everybody is rising the Vagadim and everybody's crying. And Eli is in the Mishkan and he's looking, looking, waiting for some news. And on his mind, he has two sons on the front lines there. But the Pasuk is made. On his mind, first and foremost, is the Aaron Hashem. Shaul comes, Lahagid, Beir, Betizakalir, and he hears the tumult. Vishma Eli, it's called Saka, Vyamar, Makal, Ahaman Azeb. What's the tumult? Vish, Miher, Vyava, Vyagid, Laili, and he comes over to Eli. Now, you have to be very, very smart if you're going to be a messenger, especially the tighter of bad news. Chazal say, don't say it worse than it is, say it very carefully. Certainly somebody who's older and frail over here, and don't say more than you have to, and he's not going to say anything until he's asked. 
Ve'eli ben, Pasuk reminds us, Ve'eli ben tishim ashmana shana ve'enov kamav le'achaliris. He's 98 years old, old and frail, and he can't see. Fully aware, he's davening the whole time, and worried about the Aaron. Ve'yam ishal e'li anechi abo in aracha. I just came from the Marocha now, I escaped, Vani, Rocha Nasti Haya. I mean, this all happened. He keeps emphasizing, just now, I came as soon as I could. I know you're waiting for news. So, notice how he doesn't go straight into the story because he's trying to figure it out and he's trying to go slow. And Ailey says, Please, my son, tell me what happened. So, in tremendous pichus, he goes, Minakal El 98 years old, very frail, wants to break it slowly. There's no good news over here. So it's bad, worse, and worse yet. So how would you stack it? Ailey's human, and he has two sons there, and these two sons are big people. So it's not only if they get killed, their sons are Hamasites, they're G'daylum. And people were killed, and the Aaron was captured. So listen to how he puts it together. First piece of news, they started running. Tchila of the Tchila's Nisa. And there were many, many people killed. It was terrible. There was a big slaughter. It's enough to Rahman kill anybody so far. And Eli was very frail, and he's listening. They started running. Many were killed. His sons were killed. And he's still sitting listening. He knows Eli is more worried about the Aaron. And the Aaron was captured. The Aaron was captured. Maybe Luch is here, maybe they're not. But he's even worried about the Echil Hashem and the fact that the Aaron is captured. And he dies. This is a pellet. Just understanding the madriga. We're not on this madriga. We have to understand what the priorities are and where being honest about where we are and where we aren't is important to start working on it. As much as everybody meant to him, which is important, that's working as Angashmi, and certainly his own children, and certainly Gedeli Yisola, Chafni, and Pinchas. But there was a pecking order, and he understood that the epitome of the Aveda and what really counts in Klai Yisrael at the end of the day is the Kvayt Shemayim. All this was a Chil Hashem. All this was a Chil Hashem, and it went from bad to worse. But he was able to handle the first three. He was not able to handle that the Aaron was captured. Because that part bothered him the most. Now you'll say, okay, that's for Eli, the God Lodar, that we understand. The bigger pell is, you look at the next two psukim. His daughter-in-law, I'm sure, was a big tzaddikish, married Chafni Pichas. The daughter-in-law, the God Ladar, she's still a lady who now became an almana, and she's expecting a child in the next few weeks. Not in a condition to handle stress. Kalasa Eishas Pinchas, Hara, Lalas, Tishma, Sashmua. Now here, nobody could put it in order. Mikala Hamra, but she just hears all the news at once, because no one's coming over to tell her specifically. And here the Pasik tells you what triggered her labor and what put her in Sakana. Tishma, Sashmua, Esilaka, Arena, Lakim. 
She heard that the Aaron was captured, and she heard as well, this is the order that bothered her. This is almost superhuman. This is a lady, nobody here is a Pashariya, there are no Pashariya. But what put her into labor was the Aaron, and then also hearing that her Shreya, the Gadladar, was Nifter, the Isha, and her husband, in that order. And she's dying because she's giving birth early, which is, those days, not safe. They told her the good news. She had a son. She didn't answer because she couldn't hear good news. But she had enough strength and enough idea of what was going on to name him. This should sound familiar from somewhere else as well. And she named him. She named him Ikavoid. I assume they changed the name when he got to Yeshiva. But how can you name your child that? The answer is that's all she felt. There's a Chil Hashem. There's a Chil Hashem Shemayim here. The Aaron was captured. And that's where the parak ends. This is quite a few hundred leagues above us, but very important because honesty means trying to understand what really makes us happy, what makes us sad, what motivates us. And in our society, which, Baruch Hashem, we're doing well in many areas, but it is a Mugushim Tikka society, and it's a society that focuses on a lot of things that are very shallow. And Horban Abayas is about people who wouldn't admit that they're really asking because they're scared, and that's human. If they would have told Moshe Rabbeinu we're scared, can we send Morocco? The Moshe Rabbeinu would have said, let me ask the Kosh Baruch Hu, at least you're coming admitting you're scared. I'll come back and we'll have a Moshe Shmuz, we'll have a Shir and Chavis Lavavis. We'll talk about it. But they didn't say that. They said, it's going to be a Chil Hashem, we've got to find the money, we've got to know where they're hiding it, and we've got a lot of sheep, and we don't want to be over in Geneva, which was also true, but that wasn't a big part of the motivation. Not to compare the two. Move in and God got what they got legally and they settled there. They were Shema Terra Mitzvahs. But ultimately, they went into Gullahs first because of that mistake. And if you look from Chet Egel and all the other mistakes, you'll see the same pattern. People who don't want to admit the frailty, people don't want to deal with what's really bothering them, and people who want to dress it up to make themselves look good that, well, we have some good firm reason for doing this anyway. And they did. Question is, was that the driving force? I don't see any Makaris yet that lost the love of, we're going to put Rosh Hashanah back in Tammuz. Maybe, yeah. Yom Kippur, Sukkot. I understand why it was plan A, because it gives us a lot more room to contemplate, but we do have Still the connection even in plan B. There's a Benazmanim in between. And Benazmanim, some of the crowd over here might not mean much because you gotta go to work tomorrow. Tell your boss it's Benazmanim. That's not a taina, the Bokharim work hard during this man, and many of them steig during Corona. And Benazmanim should be Benazmanim. I'll tell you because as it gets further to Shkia, I can leave off with one optimistic note. I was called with the Shaila by a few different groups of Bahram, so they won't figure out who I'm talking about. They're probably listening. And I was elated that they were asking the Shaila, because that's what the Sugi is all about. They could have not asked the Shaila, because they would say, what's the Shaila? But 
many Bachman put together various groups and they go camping here and there, and that's an avoid itself in this time to find a safe place to go and to set it up. And a few of them called me how many should we take and what type of Bachram and how wide should we make the tent pegs and how. I'm talking to a Bachram who are 20 years old and they're asking me Shilohs like Rosh Hashivas and Mashkichim. But there are a thousand percent right. I said, I'm impressed you're asking the Shaila. He said, look, I'm setting it up. I'm responsible. I didn't look to be responsible for the Rukhni years, but we've got to keep some semblance. I said, well, let me ask you, uh, I, am I safe to assume that there's some learning? He was almost insulted. He said, we have a full morning Seder. What's the Shaila? He said, We're getting, we want to get an even number. We have Chavusa Shah. They're out in the middle. They're in Utah. They're in Nevada. They're in, I don't know where they are. Of course, they have a Seder in learning. Mamish Achshadaru. We just got to know, what rule should I set? The Bacham Kamis, Ben Azmanim, and one of them told me, I know that after Ben Azmanim, it hasn't yet not been proven correct. Right after Ben Azmanim, it's Rosh Chodesh El. Every single year, he can't understand it. I said, you can come back a couple days early and prepare yourself. He said, yeah, we're working on that. But he understands it. It's godless. Of course there's a morning says. The morning says, and I'd say there, we're thinking kosher things to do. But he still understood there was a Shailah. Other people could say, what's the Shailah? Don't ask for Shailah. He's just starting trouble. What the... There's no Shailah. Going to Bezman, everything's fine. The answer is, everything's fine if you work ahead of time on setting parameters of what you can do. And for the adults who are seeing off the kids for Bezman, if you haven't already, make sure there's some Pikuach, which you all know. And for the adults who don't get three weeks off, besides all their other days off, understand that Elul, the way it's set up in Plan B, is three weeks after the tragedy. So we have time to examine what went wrong, pick ourselves up, be happy, relax a little bit, and come to Elul with the Simcha and understand it's all about Simcha if you understand the opportunity for growth. But understanding opportunity means you have to ask a lot of questions. And you have to ask honest questions. Ask people who are not afraid to tell you their real opinion. What do I have to work on? What do I have to do? Where have I fallen short? I've done a lot of great things, but where am I going? We just had three weeks of Hurban. So how are we fixing this up? We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We just have to start asking honest, good questions. And asking questions that we really want to hear the answer to. And asking for a drocha where you really want the people talking to you to give you an honest appraisal. And Mitz Hashem, if we do that, we'll be zeicha to Shaveh B'Stok on the full form, doing the chesed with each other, helping each other in their ruchnius, and the tzedakah that it's tzedek. We're actually donning ourselves in the proper way, shotsing up what really has to be done. And Mitz Hashem, that's chus, we'll bring the gulu.